Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Pat's Creative Podcast, episode 17. And today I'm joined by the one and only uh, 8-bit and 16-bit music remixer, Bulby. Bulby or Mike, would you care to introduce yourself to the people out there? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm Mike. Uh, I go by Bulby online. Uh, most people probably know me for uh, the YouTube work that I do, which is uh, kind of 8-bit retro remixes of video game music. Um, I've done other music as well, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Yes, awesome. Um, and you've been on the scene for quite a while now. I can't recall exactly when I found your channel, but I've definitely yeah. been watching for a very long time now. Um, mm -hmm. I remember when you even re releasing your original Sound Theory episodes uh, back in 2016, I believe. So I think it was around then when I first discovered your channel. Um, but I think that that might be kind of a good jumping point uh, just to ask how you kind of got into this uh, remixing industry, if you will. Like, was... Was that your plan originally when you were going into YouTube? Were you doing remixes before YouTube? Or how did this all kind of evolve? Um, yes, good question. Um, so uh, the answer is pretty straightforward, actually. Um, I remember I was, um, I was at university and um, I was in my dorm room. And um, coming out of school was a bit kind of like, you know, whatever. Um, but I kind of just wanted to do something. I wanted to do something other than like, you know, the university work and then, you know, go and get a job. Like I wanted to have some sort of like creative outlet that could be maybe a job one day or just like, you know, money on the side or just like something I do for fun. Um, so I remember, I remember quite like I am actually right now, I was sitting at my desk with uh, my lap, uh, laptop and I was like, well, I like music. And I like video games. So if I combine the two, what can I do with it? And um, the thing is, it's like I I did grow up with retro games, but listening to like the music or like appreciating it was like never something I really actually like did until I started this. Um, it was more so like when I thought about what I wanted to do, it was like, okay, I could cover video game music like by playing an instrument. Sure. Uh, I played trumpet and it was like, well, a lot of people do that already, don't they? And like, I don't really have the space or the recording equipment to do that. Um, I could write my own music and it's like, okay, but you know, the people discovering that it's, it's going to be difficult because like, you know, it's original work. People aren't really usually looking for original work unless they're actually looking for a composer, you know? Right. Um, so, um, I don't, I don't actually know like how I finally landed on kind of like, cause like eight, I didn't do like Super Nintendo music till way later. So I don't actually remember how I specifically landed on 8-bit, but I was like, I think I remember searching on the website on YouTube and I was like, not many people are actually doing this. Right. Um, as far as I'm aware, um, I've never known how to pronounce his name. So I'm just going to say it as it is. It's Dan Ucht one. It's like Dan and then 00CT1. Um, that was the only person I found at the time, and that was 2010. Um, and who who was doing eight bit specifically remixes or yeah um, yeah. Um, but the way he was um, or they I should say is producing it was um, uh, they were just screen capturing the, uh, the the eight bit software and just like uploading that, which is fine, and a lot of people still do that to this day. Um, but I kind of saw it and I was like, okay, this could be interesting. Um, but there's no like, 
there's no like unique visual uh right. aspect to it yeah like and so i remember my first um uploads were like you know 8-bit music it wasn't actually 8-bit at the time i didn't know but you know you live and learn um <laughs> and uh and i just did like really like cruise like picture edits and like it was kind of funny and you know uh i shared it with like you know my immediate friends and they liked it um and yeah it kind of went from there sure. I, I don't i don't think i ever kind of thought in the early stages like I don't want to do this or like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. Right. I know I kind of just started it and I never stopped really. Yeah. Well, and that's what's yeah. so interesting is that you recreate all these images and now you also do like animations as well uh, of mm. like these games. And I'm curious, did, do you kind of consider yourself a pixel artist or is that more of a, a side thing that kind of happened because of this music stuff? Or were you always interested in that? Like, where did that kind of enter the field? Um, so I, I wouldn't say pixel artist because I don't I don't draw any of the pixel art myself. Um, right. I usually get them commissioned by like professionals, or I um, I've done ones like back in the day, but like they weren't very good. And I actually know funny Starset because a few days ago I did actually start trying to do a bit of pixel art. I'm I'm really bad at it. <laughs> I'm really really bad at it. But like everyone starts somewhere, so maybe I'll sure. try again. Like at some point, because that's the thing, right? Is like, um, I'm sure when I first started, because when I first started, I didn't do Pixar at all. It was just like, well, I did like covers of like real music. I did like a Bruno Mars song or something. Obviously, I'm not going to find Pixar or Bruno Mars, am I? <laughs> so I literally just took a I took a picture right. of him. And did you know, I stuck his head and stuck it on Mario's body and called it a day? <laughs> um, and I'm sure me back then wouldn't have thought like, oh, you know, several years from now I'm going to be editing sprites, right. animating sprites, and you know, kind of like doing what I am right now. Sure, um, it's always been like an endeavor of just like pushing myself to see what I can do more. Right. Like, because a lot of it is um, unnecessary, I would say. Because people come for the music. Sure. But for me, it's more just like I'd like to uh, just see see how far I can go with it. Yeah. And the next step for that will be, I guess, um, kind of doing my own pixel art. Um, right. I, 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 that's that's like a huge step, though. That's sure, a huge step. sure. Yeah. And, well, I, I think, I think it, it adds a lot of interest to your music that you can't find in a lot of other videos because so many other video game remixes or rips will usually just have a splash or a screen burn or something. And I, mm -hmm. I kind of like how not only do you have something visual going on, but uh, to, to have it animated too and give reason to watch, even if it's just for like a few seconds until the, the, the gag is up, right? Because usually mm. uh, you have something going on at the beginning and then it kind of... Uh, uh, stables out later, right? And becomes a little bit yeah. more solid. I, I always yeah. kind of enjoy that. It feels almost like the equivalent of a musician's intro, like how a lot of YouTube channels will have like an intro to their video. Your intro is kind of that really quick animated segment before it gets on to the, the, the heart of the music, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I always thought it added just a nice little touch to your, uh, just to your style. Um, but I'm curious, uh, what uh, if you don't mind me asking, what level of... Um, like where did you how did you learn to to remix these songs like what level of was there education behind that was it kind of more self-taught and uh and by extension with the the pixel art you know how did you kind of manage all these these elements yeah uh, okay um so uh i've been a musician all my life 
So I've been I've been a composer long um, longer than I've been a uh, a remixer, um, and part of in music there are kind of like four things that at least I do: there's performing, there's composing, uh, remixing, and then transcribing. Um, transcribing is when you simply listen to the music and then you just write down what it is in like either notation format or, you know, maybe like guitar tab or whatever you're using, like MIDI format, something like that. Right. Um, so, uh, the skills I needed to do what I do now, I kind of already had because I was transcribing music as part of school and university and in my own kind of thing as well. Um, uh, I was doing some remixes actually kind of not 8-bit video game remixes before I started doing that. Not like anything big, just kind of like something to do for fun, to be like, oh, this is, you know, I made this. Right. Um, um, so th- that's kind of like where the skills have come from. I-, I didn't, I didn't like start 8-bit music, not as a musician, I should say. Right. So like I, it, it is kind of just like, you know, something I can do with all the skills I've had back in the past. Right. Some of it self-taught as well. Um, I think definitely the 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 music is all education, but the sure. like the pixel art, the animation, that's all self-taught. Right. I think the animation kind of came from when I did the OST videos. Um, obviously, you know, I can't have a still image for sixteen minutes while <laughs> sure. there's a you know a script. It has to be a video. Right. So I learned to kind of like animate through the programs I have, um, and uh, I can't remember if I. I can't remember if I animated before those videos or not. I'd have to look it up. I think I did. I, I feel um, like I, I saw at least a couple back then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been like a slow kind of progress. Like, first there was like the random pictures. Then there was like half, sure. 8-bit, half real pictures. Right. Um, then that went to like 8-bit pictures. Then it went to like 8-bit slight animations. Right. And then where I am kind of now, where it's like you say the, the first bit, and then just like usually a still image or just like right. a looping thing. Yeah. Um it's all just kind of been like progress slowly slowly building up i presume to a point where one day i'm going to make like a 15 minute animation with the the music as well i don't know it could happen i don't know one i won't give it away but the one i'm working on right now has got a full minute of animation unique animation oh wow and that's kind of just like something i'd i'm just like seeing if i can do it you know sure sure so if it looks good right do you is would you predict that's where your channel might head though is more towards animated music videos in a sense, even if it's lightly animated, uh, but having like longer duration uh, animations play over your music or Mm. do you think that's, you know, just something fun to experiment with basically? Uh... Let me rephrase that. Do you find that to be the next way you plan on evolving your content or are you just kind of experimenting? Yeah, no, I, I think, I think it could. The only reason I hesitate is because it's going to be dependent on the content itself. Sure. Like, so prior to starting this podcast, I've just uploaded a new remix of um, Sparkman from Mega Man 3. Something like that doesn't require a full video of animation. Right. It's just, I guess, like, because I've got the start animation, the kind of like the splash screen. The only way I could further that is to like recreate the whole Sparkman stage and have them write. And I'm not going to do that for a, right. like a minute twenties video, you know. Sure. Um, whereas the one I'm working on now, I'll say where it's from because it doesn't really give away from much. It's from Smash. Um, like 
you immediately think, okay, if it's a Smash remix with a music video, then it could be like a Smash match or something. Right. You're watching, you know, and like an 8-bit match or something. Um, so it really does depend. Um, I don't think I would choose the content based on how far I can animate it either. Sure. Um, so I presume it would be kind of like a mix. Like I'll have a few that are just like initial animation smashed screen. Right. Um, but then, you know, the other thing as well is it takes forever. Like sure. this, yeah. this one I'm doing right now is like, um, uh, I've been working on it, at least the animating bit. I'm not going to talk about the sprite work and the music, but the animating I've been working for the past three, four days. And I've got about eight seconds, eight seconds worth. Right. So like, that's, that's a big ordeal to go through. So, so in, like in general, would you say the animation takes longer than the actual remixing themselves itself or, uh, once again, it depends on the, depends on the content. Like it, um, sometimes, uh, if I'm doing like a straight eight bit remix, um, and not the kind of the VRC six extension, which is kind of three extra instruments you can use. Um, sometimes, you know, I can do those remixes in like anywhere between three days to a week. And then the animation, you know, could be long or short. Right. Uh, I don't know. It kind of really depends. Like sometimes the song takes a really long time and the video takes a really long time. Sure. Um, it's, um, it's it just depends on what it is and how much I'm willing to do really. Right. Because sometimes I'm lazy. It's like I can't really be. Sure. <laughs> I just do like a, a sure. still image. Yeah. And is there like a, a game series where the soundtrack is uh, particularly harder than others? Have you noticed? Like, is there any consistency between difficulty and remixing, or is it just um, kind of all over the place? Uh, well, to be honest, through the years I've been doing this. Um, I've tend to stray away from the more difficult ones because I know what sure. is difficult. And those right. are usually like big orchestral ones because like, you know, you've got minimum three melodic channels and one percussion channel, and then maximum, if you're just using VRC six, uh, one, two, three, four, five, five or six, and then a noise channel. Um, and trying to get the sound of an orchestra in like three channels is like, you know, it's right. impossible right but you can you know i'm not saying it depends on your outlook because sometimes you want to um some people might want to recreate the original as much as they can mm-hmm. but then some people might say i just want it to be an 8-bit version right um kind of have it be its own thing because it's 8-bit it can stand by itself almost while other people it's like yeah. i need to stay true to the material yeah so like one of the oldest remixes i know on the website is um, a remix of the halo theme and that's like big, isn't it? It's got this choir and like big orchestra. Right. But like it, the way that it's remixed is, I, I can't remember the name if we did it, to be honest, but it's, it just sounds like, you know, how the game would sound on an NES. And like, right. that's good enough. Like, yeah. um, but I do usually stray away from those big orchestral ones. Um, right. It, well, I'll tell you what makes it easier, actually, is if they, if it has like a good melody, like if it's got a, unique and like iconic melody that's pretty easy because you've got one channel which can be the melody one's going to be the bass and then the other one's going to be the filler it's when it's like layered textures on top of each other where like five layers are just as important as each other is when it's like okay so what do i sacrifice what don't i sacrifice yeah yeah Hmm. well and it's it's kind of interesting because video game music has it it evolved in the other direction, you know, it's, you're kind of de-evolving it in a way, but they had to like take these, take less channels and expand it into more or whatnot. While you have to do the exact opposite and funnel it down. I imagine mm. you, your method's got to be more difficult because 
uh, you're simple, you're stripping away what's already there and, and things that are added for a reason and are really good, but you still got to represent it somehow. So I can only imagine how difficult that is. Um, but I'm yeah. curious, like, uh, you know, it, it is a very particular aesthetic, right? To have um, 8-bit or entirely, um, not even just electronic based, but such retro electronic based uh, music. Do you, mm. why do you think people have an attachment to that? Do you think it's partially out of like, or entirely out of nostalgia? Do you think it's because, um, uh, do you think people just find it a fun experiment? Like, why do you think people might be attached to that aesthetic? Yeah, I think there's a few reasons. Um, like I say, nostalgia is definitely one. Um, people who grew up with those games kind of are so used to the sound as like its own thing. Right. To hear kind of like music that was never intended to sound like it, kind of take them back to that time is, you know, it can be a fun experience, can be sure. interesting. Um, I think another one is that I, I always get comments, people saying like, oh, you know, the song sounds cute. When it's, and, you know, so right. people just like, you know, cute sounding songs. Yeah. Um, and I guess another reason as well would be just like the, uh, um, just to see how like how they did it, like oh sure. you know this this song from, uh, uh, well, actually no that's that's I was about to say the one I just uploaded the Sparkman, but that's actually the other way because I took an eight bit and made it sixteen bit, right? But, um, yeah, just like you know, um, I, I can tell you what. So like I uploaded um, uh, Secret of the Forest Chrono Trigger um, previous to the one I just did, right? And, you know, someone might be like, okay, that's a really kind of slow um kind of like ambient song how did they do it so it's kind of like you know i guess a mix of like intrigue uh kind of like cute sounds and right. kind of like nostalgia as well yeah um, and i suppose as well just like uh, other musicians can kind of like appreciate the um the, the project as a whole right just be like okay like you know it's, yeah. it's a it's a good cover it's a good remix yeah i i imagine like a lot of a lot of peers see something like that and they they understand exactly what kind of work goes into it as well and i imagine that makes it more appreciable too um mm. but i think also i i imagine some people also just get kind of a comfort from hearing something from their childhood even though they're not hearing something they heard from their childhood but just having that theme and and unity it kind of like takes you back to another other years when things were simpler or whatnot um yeah, yeah one in particular one of the first ones i found on your channel was uh your your pikmin's forest of hope one <laughs> and i remember playing that growing up and f hearing this music that i'm already nostalgic for but in in a f uh, a form that i also remember but just not that exact form um mm. there's something so comforting about it right it's it almost puts you at peace because it, it reminds you of of when you didn't have all these worries to worry about as a kid you know and yeah uh, yeah i imagine that's got to be at least part of it for a lot of people but yeah i would say so yeah yeah funny you mentioned that one because that was actually a um commission from a friend um to be played during it was either a a wedding it was either proposal a, i believe yeah if, I, if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah it was did i put it in the description I you must did have and i'm, I'm okay. not trying right. to yeah. pretend that i read every description of yours i think i just happened to read that one i mean so. you do you do more than most then <laughs> if you read the description um, um no i yeah, I, nice. I, th I like how you include that though because you actually you you do work on your descriptions and you add nice little tidbits to it and i can really appreciate that because yeah um you know, it's it's easy to think like, oh, people don't read the descriptions and everything, put it down. But it is another opportunity to just share more with your work, and I really like that about your videos. 
Oh, that's good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I I just like to kind of do the most that I can so that when I, if I do look back on it, be like, okay, I'm pretty proud of everything that I did in that. Obviously, sure. it's going to be impossible as a creative to be 100% happy with everything yeah. that you do. Right. But, you know, like I say, I can look back and say, you know, my descriptions are, you know, well kind of formatted. They've got everything they need and it's there. Yeah. And it also gives me an excuse. So when people ask the same question over and over again, I can just ignore them because <laughs> <laughs> I just say, just right. read the description. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's, it also, it just, it captures a moment in time where you felt something enough to put it in there because it's, it's not just describing the content. It's explaining some kind of, uh, albeit like emotional response that you had with that piece. Even if it's something as simple as I heard this one time from a long time ago and decided to remake it, you're still sharing your individual experiences with that piece. And I feel like Mm. It, it gives more appreciation to the original work because it just shows how impactful a singular uh, piece can be, right? I keep wanting yeah, to yeah. say song, but one of my I'm not a music uh, music person at all, and one of my music peers told me that a song has to have lyrics in it. Is that correct? Do you know? Uh, I mean, probably by the dictionary definition, mm. maybe. Right. Um, I mean, I, I call them songs, pieces, tracks. Yeah, I do like, too. I... <laughs> so as long as you know what I mean, then right. it's not sure. you know, it's not a big deal. Yeah. I, I don't think anyway. Yeah. Um. Anyway, sorry. Uh. But yeah, like it's it it, it shows such a, an individual response to like that given time, and I imagine rereading that like later on. Uh, gives you a sense of nostalgia, just as the song is supposed to give you nostalgia for whatever piece that it's um, uh, remixing, as well as the time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as you say that, just recently I kind of up, uh, updated all of my thumbnails, like every single one. That took a long time. Okay. Um, and as I had to do that, obviously I'd go into the edit video thing on YouTube and um, I'd see the descriptions. So I'd see descriptions that I wrote, you know, like 10 years ago now. And like most of them were just like capital D colon, were just like that kind of emoji face. And I was like, what was I thinking? <laughs> like, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. Right. But yeah, you know, it's a, it's kind of like a like say like a time maybe it means too a, much. Maybe maybe there's a some maybe deep conceptual meaning behind those emoticons. Maybe it's better if we never know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, and that might kind of leads to another question I wanted to ask, and that's just uh, what kind of to what extent have you had emotional attachment to your work? Like, do you ever get to the point where you almost feel overwhelmed by emotions when you're remixing something just because of the nostalgia or even just listening back to your own work later on? Like, has there been any pieces that you're just super attached to emotionally? Um, not particularly. I mean, to be honest, I'm probably a bit of a unique case because I, I don't really get like too emotional over kind of sure. like music. Uh, for me, it's always just been like a, like a craft kind of just like this is my work this is what i do right not to say that i don't you know sometimes i'll be listening to what i'm working on right now and be like man that sounds good that sounds right, really right. good sure. or sometimes i'm like this kind of sucks <laughs> <laughs> and i just scrap it or whatever right but like you know like um uh so i don't really listen to my music that much sometimes like every so often i'll just like see one of my own videos in like the recommended on the side and just be sure. like, let's just listen to it again see what it was like yeah. see what i think about it now well um, it, it kind of keeps you creatively fresh to to like mm. revisit some of your old work and see where you are now you know in a way like i've i've Definitely. found that um kind of inspiring because what can motivate yourself to do better than criticizing yourself right so exactly. uh, 
every once in a while, if I if I rewatch any of my videos, I come back thinking like, okay, 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 okay. Back to the back to the writing board. We're gonna fix this. We're gonna this is gonna be yeah. solved next time. You know, I'm not gonna make the same definitely, mistake definitely. or not. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's difficult for a lot of people actually. Kind of just like self criticizing because it, it can be yeah. difficult to kind of like accept kind of like oh you know that was trash or whatever. But like yeah, it, it's 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 a very important kind of talent talent right. skill to have. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um. I I know like uh maybe six months ago or so I I started my first uh interview for this show in particular and i was interviewing lorenzo de sakura and um you know at the time the uh the interview when it went great it was a fine fine interview um but like you know i had it in my head that like oh i'm i'm already on top of things i can continue to work on this or whatnot and then oh, but rewatching it i could fully think like okay these are some things i can address in the future maybe some uh questions i can word better or some uh, pauses I can better fill in or whatnot. And um, even if something as recent as six months ago, if you feel on top of it, it's okay to look back at it later and be like, oh, okay, here's some mistakes I made and here's some ways I can improve going forward. But it doesn't have mm -hmm. to be in a self-deprecating way. It can just be, this yeah. is how I move forward, basically, or evolve. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's like, that's like a sign though as well, isn't it? Like if you can right. look back at old thing and kind of like make a big laundry list of kind of what you would improve, that's a sign that you have improved. So yeah. like, I guess that that's to a good way to like, look at it, yeah. Yeah, that to me is like kind of like it's almost the best thing. Like really, like if I listen back to my old music and I'm super content with it, then like it's fine, it's good. Sure. But if I can look back and say, oh, you know, I was listening to one of my things earlier actually, I was like, oh, the noise channel is actually a little bit too loud in this one, maybe. Then I can think, okay, well, next time I do this in this style, I can you know bear that in mind and right. improve it later. Yeah. Yeah, and I imagine that's that can be more difficult for creators who upload less frequently than you right like who work on a lot bigger projects for months and then it releases and then they have to work on another big project for months or whatnot right um, i imagine mm. it can be difficult to to fully feel like you're you can improve and evolve when the you're only working on one project for like a really long time but mm. you know i i think that's why a lot of people stress just exercising multiple creative outlets trying to do something creative even if it's not your like big project that you're working on um and you know like even if it's just cooking or drawing or something like that right so that you can at least feel some momentum in bettering your craft uh in another field which i think then in turn makes it easier to digest your improvements for your your current field right um yeah but you know that's a little bit off topic. I do kind of want to go back to the um, emotional side of music, and I was curious if you've ever f like when when you're remixing these songs from games, do you ever feel if you ever felt like emotionally attached to uh, the song the pieces? Sorry, from the games themselves, or is it um, just because you're a musician and because you've broken it all down in your head, you almost feel less attachment to the emotional side, possibly. Um uh oof, good question um once again it would probably depend on the song itself um sure i I'd, i would i would never work on a song that i didn't like for a start sure that's like you know i'm not going to just like do a track because it's popular or fake you know right. it's like the current trend right now right like i have to have some sort of attachment to it and usually that's either you know it's a new new game that i'm interested in right um or it's like a game that i've played in the past or um you know something like that um but 
I don't. I, don't, I wouldn't say like emotionally attached. Probably not. No, but like I say, I'm probably a bit of a unique case. There might be a few songs like I can't think of off the top of my head that kind of like I really wanted to do. Right. Um, but over the years, I've definitely kind of um, been a bit more objective, objective about sure. my decision making. Right. And kind of being like, okay, you know, I really, really like this song, right. um, but is it going to be a good video to put out there's got for me there's got to be some sort of balance between like doing what will work and doing what i want it's right. like if you go too far in either direction then like you know it could be like unrewarding in different ways and sure. for me like if i if i just did like songs that like i really really liked and i had a strong emotional attachment to but like they're from games that like no one played because i like a lot of kind of like unique and not unique but like niche games let's say sure um i think actually um diddy kong racing is a good example of that that's like my first second third favorite game ever and i love the soundtrack but i know that it's it it's not like super niche but it's like it's it's not like super popular so i know that if i do that it might i want to say wasted time but it might kind of feel like that because i know it's not going to get the reception that i kind of feel about it Sure. If you get what I mean. Right. Yeah. So I like um yeah, D- Diddy Kong Racing is a good example of like a game that that uh you know, a lot of people might remember super fondly and when they hear music from it, it reminds them of those like fond times or whatnot. And um you know, like like you've got like a, a Metroid Prime poster in your room, right? Yeah. Um yeah. Like that's one of those games where when I re-listen to soundtrack from that game, it kind of reawakens that emotion that I originally had for it. Um, mm. But that could be because I don't have a musical background. You know, I've never looked at the the sheet music of it. I've never uh, deconstructed it into channels and stuff like that. So I still kind of see it as this weird, untouchable nebula, right? Um, mm. And I'm curious mm. if that's why maybe myself and other people get so attached to these pieces while for you, because you're, you're educated in the field and whatnot, it's easier to just see it as notes and channels and stuff while also appreciating it. Obviously uh, you yeah, obviously no. appreciate the music, but yeah, that's an interesting kind of way you put that actually. Cause like even just mentioning Metroid prime, I do remember, um, you know, obviously I played the game back in the day. There mm-hmm. was a huge period where I didn't think about it at all, obviously. And, you know, so well, I remember just actually one day kind of just like listening to the soundtrack and I listened to um, uh, Talon 4, I think is the planet's name, yeah. like when you first land on that. Oh, yeah. yeah, and I remember just listening to that and I did have some sort of like emotional reaction to it because I was like, man, this is yeah. this is bringing me back and it sounds great. Right. Um, but as you were kind of explaining that um, thought, I was like, I have though I sometimes have those thoughts to the original songs, but sure. when I listen to like my own remixes and like mm. other eight bit remixes, I don't because I guess I kind of tend to associate that genre of music with like work, right? Instead of like kind of like experiences, right? If that makes sense. Yes, that does. Make yes, sense. that's 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 probably the best way I would explain it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, then, kind of on that topic, then um, of of, of work and seeing your pieces different as like the original and stuff like that. I'm I'm curious um, as to what kind of your thought process is with regards to uh, remixes and ownership and whatnot, right? Um, because uh, you know, and and even copyright problems, which I I believe you've run into your hand a handful, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, let's actually kind of start with that. What to what extent have you had to deal with copyright problems? Has that been like a constant thing you have to deal with, or? Um. <sighs> So once again, it's kind of been like a learning process. There is a way you can kind of like 
avoid them in some way. Sure. One of those is to um, what I do. Well, I should. I I made a note to do it sooner, and then I didn't. And then I uploaded um, uh, Chrono Trigger's main theme, and that got an immediate claim. Mm. Um, a good way to avoid it is to simply upload the original as an unlisted video. Right. Um, and if it gets immediately claimed, then that for me is like, okay, I'm not going to work on that. I'm going to leave that one, which is unfortunate because a lot of the biggest songs are the ones that get immediately claimed. Interesting. So it kind of like cuts a lot off the list already. Um, sometimes if I like the song enough, I will do it regardless. Right. Because sometimes I can think to myself, okay, well, you know, maybe maybe I won't get any money from this one, but maybe this is like kind of like the the money that I get from Patreon can kind of like cover it in a way. Sure. I haven't got like, I haven't got any like expenses, so I don't really need anything covered. But yeah, you know I mean, like it's kind of right. like, I'm going to lose money here, but you know, I'm still kind of making money elsewhere. So it's right. fine. And, and what, and it was, sorry, sorry. I was going to say, yeah, just quickly, like it also kind of depends. Like it usually happens with like new releases. Um, right. If there's like a new release that's coming out that does get immediately claimed, but I know people will like it and I know sure. it'll get views and it's and it is something I want to work on, then I'll be like, okay, I'll I'll take the bullet this right. time. It's fine. And I don't mind I'd rather never get claims, obviously, but I don't mind right. taking a claim like, you know, once every two or three months. Right. Especially if the attention might make up for it in a sense, right? Um Yeah, yeah. Not like financially, but just in other ways. Sure. So it might sure. it might just be worth it for that reason yeah. alone. Yeah. So yeah. to to what extent are like how far are the projects that you scrap after they get claimed by copyright like are they finished pieces that you upload and then have to scrap or no i just never start them oh you never start like them. i said oh, I, I just upload you yeah upload the, I upload the original gotcha yeah yeah okay. yeah yeah okay. i mean sometimes sometimes i have kind of uploaded the original it's gotten claimed being like i'm going to work on it anyway and then when i upload my one it doesn't get claimed right because right. like it's i guess in some way like different enough sure but the thing is now is that I don't know how long it's been this way, but YouTube is very good at its like algorithm or database or whatever. It's very yeah. good at um, picking up or claiming melodies rather than just yeah. like the song itself. That's still crazy to me. That whole idea. It's like, how does it's very work? annoying, especially when the claim is wrong. <laughs> yeah, like objectively wrong. That's right. the that secret of the forest. One I did was supposed to upload a month and a half before it actually did because I got a claim on it from like some sort of like hip-hop artist that used the original as a backing track in their like r&b song or whatever interesting and so when i disputed it they never responded so that took 30 days right and then um you know i i upload on sundays and i had to wake an extra uh two weeks so i was working one sunday and then the next sunday i was free sure so you know it sucks yeah right <laughs> yeah and then I, I noticed that you also usually include in your descriptions that you don't mind other people using your remixes for their work. Is there kind of a, a thought process behind that? Do you have any, like, um, I don't know, is there a reason you, you don't mind people doing that? Like, what's your kind of thoughts on that? Um, not not that I'm judging in any way. I'm just curious. No, no, no. No, it's, it's interesting because, like, you look at, like, almost every other... I don't know about 8-bit cover artists, but let's take, right. like... R regular music sure um cover artists um and they'll sell all their music as mp3s right. um and i've never really done that um for a few reasons number one i'm very lazy when it comes to like business and finances and legality and sure. all that stuff it just i just lose interest so quickly right. so for me it's just like i just want to 
like give it out for free because at the end of the day as well um i actually don't know how many people download my mp3s and i worry that if i first of all if i change now Mm -hmm. after doing it for 11 years that's a bit weird right um um i also worry that if i do change uh the effort that goes into making that change will not be rewarded financially by how many people actually buy the mp3s sure like i i don't think i get enough views to warrant that right i think there are a lot of cover artists that do and that's fine um but for me it's just less of a headache to worry about sure um and like other people using the music it's just kind of like you know um i just kind of like i see the value in people using my music because that's how people have discovered me for a start right um and then also um it's kind of just like you know i I get all my sprites from, well, most of the time from Sprite's resource, which is a website. And those sprite sheets are uploaded by individuals who have gone out of their way to rip these sprite sheets. Right. Um, and sometimes make custom sprite sheets and make their own sprites. And all they say on sure. there is, you know, if you use, please credit me. And right. So I do in the description and sometimes I do in the comments. Um, so for me, it's just kind of just a way of like not being... Um, I don't know how I would say it, but like, you know, if I'm going to use other people's work for free, then I want people to use my work for free. Sure. Yeah. That makes that sense. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because with the remix, you're also using like the, the original compositions as well. So mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. kind of a pay it forward method in a way, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. But also I, I think with your tracks specifically, they aid themselves to people's videos really well. And I think it, like you said, it probably is a good uh, way to bring more people in and get people to find you because, uh, you know, there's, there's so many situations where your music would be applicable to maybe someone's video essay or uh, someone's comedic video or whatnot. And um, I, it, it, I feel like it, it, it works to kind of see your, uh, your music appeal to other peers and as we were mentioning earlier how peers are fond of your work and whatnot that's mm-hmm. it seems like good music to be in that stratosphere basically in that circulation or whatnot yeah yeah definitely and i think a lot of the people that have used my music have had a positive impact on my channel um, right just through kind of like people then coming back to my original video and first of all giving me view sure views um and then you know commenting saying i know i came here from so and so's video sure and you know that's great especially some of the people who've used it you know people either i know or i follow right so it's kind of nice for um you know content creators that i follow to be using the content that i make yeah as part of their kind of whole package yeah um well i I, if i remember correctly i believe i discovered your channel through uh one of smooth mcgroove's live streams where he was drumming along to your music and then he was saying, everybody should check out Bulby, who's speaking very highly of you. And I think that's how I discovered you, if I remember correctly. So it mm. it has some kind of impact, right? Just yeah. having it in that in that uh in that loop. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. He's he's a good guy as well. Sometimes I jump in his stream and he's very, very nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad he's yeah, back. Cool. I'm uh I, Yeah. I was yeah, worried yeah, yeah. that some kids would grow up without seeing frequent Smooth McGrew videos on YouTube. And I was like, that sounds unfair. What, what a life. Yeah. What a life that would be. <laughs> um, yeah. So to kind of, uh, we touched a little bit on this earlier, but just to kind of get back to it, um, with the series that you started a long time ago, Original Sound Theory, it was definitely a, a different approach to content creation than your usual approach. And I was just curious if you ever plan on kind of going back to that more long-term format, if you ever plan on... Uh, entering 
uh, music theory again or whatnot? Like, is there been any kind of urge to itch that, uh, to scratch that itch of more long-term content like that? Yeah, you know what? It's like when I stopped doing that, I was pretty content with what I had done and being like, I'm probably not going to revisit this, revi- uh, revisit this again. Right. Um, but I get comments all the time. People saying, man, when are you going to do that again? That was really, really good. And I'm like, man, people really like this. People really did like this. Um, But the thing is, I remember the reason I stopped. um, Well, I'll tell you the reasons why I may or may not do it in a minute. But the reason I stopped was because um, I remember the last video I did, which was a Pokemon one with Jimmy Wetzel. Um, I remember making that and thinking to myself, you know, like I say, I I create content that I want to do. Sure. but I remember also thinking, like, this is part of this new series, and it's Pokemon. And Pokemon's super popular. So this right. video should be, do pretty well, right? And it didn't do... Well, I'm not going to say it didn't do... But it did badly, but I think I remember putting all, the, all that time into that video, it getting sure. less than average views, and then I uploaded a remix, like, a week or two weeks later, and it immediately superseded it. And I was like, right. why? why would I put so much time and effort into this what is essentially a side part of my channel because most people are subs for the music um and get you know less views sure um so it was kind of like i'm not gonna say it was a business decision but like in a way it was because it was like i was the the amount of time i put into it with what was i was getting out of it was like it wasn't really adding up right um but doing it again in the future um i wouldn't be against it um there are two issues with it though. Number one is that as great as the people um, who worked with me were, it can be difficult to rely on people all the time, especially with an ongoing project where I'm always going to have to ask someone and someone different as well, bear in mind. Like I had three different voiceovers for those three videos. Right. Um, I could get repeat gigs, but like, you know, I don't know about that. Um, So I would have to do it. Um, sure. And at the moment, I don't really feel comfortable doing that in my current living situation. I'd probably have to do that when I get my own place. Right. Um, but the problem with that is that I'm going to have a full-time job and I'm going to have less time. Sure. So that's going to mean less videos. Right, so like, right. it's, yeah, it's, it, it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, and the other reason is because there's already um, uh, channels 8-Bit Music Theory. I think that's his actual name. Um, and they do um, kind of like music theory videos as well. They're right. more kind of like very analytical, very kind of like musician term heavy. I think sure. a lot of people watch those videos, have no idea what he's talking about, but be like, yeah, this is pretty cool, right. which is great. Um, I think my ones were a lot more easy to digest and comedy driven, like right. had like kind of comedic bits every now and then. Right. They were kind of like, you know, um, like how many YouTubers do you know make like video game content where they kind of just like talk about a game or a series right. kind of like the whole scott the was type thing you know yeah but um, it, at taking that approach to music theory which is what yeah exactly interesting. right yeah 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 so i i do see kind of like i guess like a, a gap in the market if you will for yeah. my style of video right which is i guess why people keep asking me to bring it back yeah um but it's difficult, man. If I had more time, I really would. Yeah, um, sure. But it's um, 
it's hard, especially like we said earlier, now that I'm kind of pushing myself more and more with the remixes and trying to see how much I can do with them. Right. Like the time I have for other things is just less and less. Man. Yeah. So wow. yeah. Time, time is definitely always our main enemy. You know, you can absolutely, you can theoretically yeah. work around pretty much everything else, but time. Um, yeah. But if you were to go, uh, go back into explaining music theory and stuff, you feel you would do it in that same format. That's, that would be your ideal way to come back to it. Yeah, I, I would definitely do it in a way that is easy for non-musicians to understand, right. at least to like an extent. Like I presume if even if you've like, you know, never, um, well, I don't want to say never, but most people, I guess, I'm guessing know what like a major chord is or what a minor chord is. Right. So like I probably don't have to explain that. Right. But like... If I say the phrase like tears to Piketty, you're not going to know what the hell I'm talking about. So that's something <laughs> right. I have to explain. Yeah. Um, uh, so that that is definitely like the way I would do it. Kind of like easy to digest, information based, but also kind of like funny bits here and there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the editing of that was impeccable. I mean, that was also very oh, user friendly with the yeah. showing, breaking down exactly the notes on screen and even having indicators to which note you're on and stuff you could be a six-year-old and watch that and be like, I understand some of this at least, you know? Um, hmm. And that's why yeah. I really appreciate because I don't know anything about music theory. I have a lot of people, a lot of people in my immediate circle who do, and I catch murmurings every once in a while from them and, and specific terms and whatnot, but I ultimately don't know anything in a series like that it was very fascinating yeah. to me. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's actually, if I do remember correctly, I think the first video in that series was very, very basic. And then kind of like in the second and third one, I kind of like, I had to assume that you had watched the videos prior so I could kind of build mm. upon the information. Right. Um, that's probably the way I would do it as Because well. you're that's hesitant to say the same information twice in a way, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think in, in one of the videos, actually, I did just like copy and paste one section or at least I kind of like hinted, you know, watched the previous video right. or whatever. Yeah. A yeah. bit of a, a Bobby's masterclass then. You got some progression going yeah. each episode or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, I, I, I enjoy teaching people a lot. So like... Sure that um those videos were kind of like a passion project in that way as well where like i want people to be able to watch and learn these things right um and kind of gain something out of it other than just entertainment sure, um, sure. so that was kind of the goal with those yeah 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 i might you know i might revisit them sooner rather it's difficult because with um everything going on right now right. um i do technically have more time than i would otherwise sure but when everything get back gets back to normal like that's when yeah. I'm really not going to have any time. It's hard to set so. the building blocks now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, if you do ever return to it, I'll definitely be there watching. And uh, I, I wish you luck in trying to explore that alternative. Um, yeah. I'm going to kind of move on to another question I wanted to ask. Uh, and this is one of the questions that I ask uh, every creator now is uh, if you had any advice that you could give yourself when you were first entering this uh, industry, what would that advice be? Like what's some of the best advice you could give to any new creators out there who want to do similar things to, to yourself or whatnot? Mm. So that's a tough question to answer because the landscape has changed so much. Sure. Like the, the way it was like, Christ, it made me sound old. The way it was like 11 years ago, it was like, you know, a lot different. Right, um, for sure. I think it's tough because like, I feel like for the majority of the time, that I've done this. I've done it in the correct way. Sometimes I've just like done it on the side. Sometimes I've pushed it really hard and done like weekly uploads. Right. Um, 
sometimes they've got loads of views sometimes they get like barely any um i think like with the current landscape right now i my best advice would probably be um to to not worry about um the output of your content so i'm talking like views likes comments how many subscribers you have because the way it is today with like the youtube algorithm as such there are so many variables that can make your content um uh kind of not feel rewarding to do right um but and you don't want kind of to d- discourage your craft, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, of course, you know, it can be very corny and cliche of me to say, do it because you love it. Because sure. you know, really, everyone should do be doing that anyway. Right. Um, but um, I think to give an example of a different creator, that's mm-hmm. kind of like a good example of this. Um, Scott the Was was probably, was has been making videos like he has for a very, very long time. Right. And it's only in the past few years that he's super exploded. Yeah. And whether that was because of like an algorithm or people just weren't interested, I don't know. Right. But the thing is, he had the passion to do it just because he wanted to. Yeah. And I feel like that is that should be the foundation for every creator. Right. Just like do it because you enjoy it. Don't worry about the views, the likes, how many subscribers you get. Don't compare yourself to other people because people... Like I say, I've been doing this 11 years and I haven't got 100K subscribers. And like some people get 100K in their first six months. Right. And I've seen creators in my comment section saying, oh, I really like your music. Right. And they do their own thing. And all of a sudden, they're way ahead of me now. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, they're way up there. Um, so like, yeah, don't compare yourself to other people. Right. Do it because you like it. Um, and just don't, yeah, like I say, don't worry about the output because there are things going against you that you have no control over. Yeah. So it's no, it's not worth worrying about. Right. Uh, one thing I always like to say is on the shows, like, um, yeah, there's just there's only there's only so many things you do have control over, and you should put your efforts towards that as opposed to something as fickle as retention or engagement. Right. Um, yeah. Exactly. What you do have control over is your craft and what you're making, and as long as you focus on trying to better that, then everything else if it happens it happens right mm-hmm. um yeah exactly yeah that's why because um i want to say from october of last year um that's when i properly stopped kind of like trying to chase any sort of algorithm because right i was i was trying to i was putting a lot of work into it i was stressing myself out a lot the views were kind of lower than average and i was like you know what i'm kind of done with this and then what i do now is i just simply make the work as good as I can. doesn't mm-hmm. matter how long it takes. I don't have to stick to any sort of schedule. I'm just going to do it. And do you um, think that's helped with avoiding like creative burnout and keeping you more uh, just fresh and fluid with your creations? Yeah, definitely. Because I can also look back at kind of the work I've done over the past, let's say from January, uh, late December onwards, and look back and say, I'm still very happy with this. Right. It's like I didn't rush anything. I didn't kind of try and push anything too far. I did I did it for as long as it would take. And now I can look back and be like, this is really, really good. Right. Um, and that that kind of motivates you forward to keep going. Right. Like like I was, like even before we started this, I just said today I've been really, really productive. Like and those days are coming more often than not. Like I'm not having yeah. to have like any like super breaks or anything. Right. Um just because I'm, you know, people work in different ways. I, I don't give myself like 
like a uh, kind of like a solid, okay, I'm going to do this much today. Sure. But I like to give myself kind of like a loose, like, I'm going to try and do this much today. If I can get it done, I'm going to see how I feel at that point. If I want to do more, I will. If I don't, then I won't. Right. And like, that's the thing. Um, it's probably going to be diff- different for people who um, actually do it as a job. Sure. So like, I can't really comment on that. Yeah. But if you're just looking from a purely creative perspective, right. um, I, I would say at least in this day and age, it, it, it might be it might be good for you to experiment with sure. pushing yourself and kind of like sticking to a schedule and like yeah. working with the algorithm. But because if you never know, you never try. Like if, so yeah. if you never try, you never know, right? Right. Um, that's kind of what I did. Well, um, but I, I think. Um... If you if you were to take this advice wrongly, you might think that you have to entirely stick to your original like creative vision and and integrity or whatnot. Um, but really, it's it's more of a case of of allowing your work to evolve to the point uh, that it, it naturally needs to go to, right? Because it hmm. you can if you have a, something specific that you like about creating and you continue to do that one thing, you can get caught up in an idea that it has to continue to be that original vision. But really, mm. when you do that, you're kind of keeping it at a fixated point when art is always evolving, right? Art is always moving and changing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if the algorithm allows for you to experiment with your work in a different way, don't be afraid of that, right? Um, feel free yeah, to explore definitely. that alternative. Just keep in mind that it's you want to still keep what's important to you. Find that that core part of your content that's still important to you. And as long as you find some way to deliver that, the means shouldn't matter right it, it, that's yeah. still just your message that you're expressing yeah 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 i would i would say yeah like so I, I, like we said earlier i wouldn't say you know try not to get demotivated with kind of like views right. and likes and whatever but you can still use it as a way to kind of like self-criticize your own work sure and you know so i might look at um uh the secret of the frost remix i uploaded it got less than average views so i had to say okay so can i come up with reasons for why that was i thought the music was fine i thought the graphics were fine um i had upload problems um uh maybe the song isn't as popular as the main theme right so like these are all things that i can think of going forward and like improve as a creator going forward so i would say like use um Use things like views, retention, likes, this and that um, to self-analyze your own work. But when it gets to the point of demotivating you is when like is a point where you should kind of like let go a little bit. Definitely. Yeah. Because um, you always want to carry on improving at your craft, but um, you can't let those statistics demotivate you when you have no control over them. For sure. Yeah, it's uh that's ultimately the thing is that you you can only control so much and you cannot get mm. worried about the things that you can't control. Um yeah. and that's ultimately I cuz there's you, you can be worried about, you know, uh not receiving retention and, and engagement, but if you have to first worry about burnout and 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 affecting your creative drive or whatnot because ultimately mm. that's the reason you're in this is because that you want to create something and express it and if you if you damage that, then uh, that's a lot harder to fix than trying to shape your your vision or your craft into something that's more digestible to the broader audience, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a lot easier, like I said, with the Secret of the Forest example. It's a lot easier for me to 
it's not easy, it would be easy for everyone, I should say, um, to be comfortable with your work before you worry about what other people yeah. think. Right. Um, because then you can say, okay, I was fine with how it was. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was other factors. Um, if you can, because there, there will be a steady kind of line of progress where you will look back and say, okay, maybe that wasn't as good. Maybe sure. that wasn't as good. Um, it's only when you get to the point where you are genuinely happy with everything about it. And right. The thing is, I can listen to that song after this podcast to be like, oh, actually, that bit was a little bit loud, you know, this and <laughs> sure. that, you know. And, you know, that's not going to affect views, like, at all, really. But right. it's still just the desire to self-improve. Yes. Which, to me, is the most important. Yeah. And, and else. it shouldn't be taken as a way to tear yourself down, either. You don't want to tear mm. down your own mm. work, but just seeing it as areas that you can improve on, right? Mm. Um, definitely, definitely, yeah. So don't let it have the opposite effect where it bogs you down to where you don't want to create, because I've seen that happen to people, too. But, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, all good advice across the board, I would say. Um, I'm going to kind of finish up the podcast with uh, the final question that I also usually ask a lot of uh, creators, and that is just how you've been creatively dealing with everything going on in 2020 with regards to the pandemic and everything else. And also just um, uh, if it's if it's inspired you to kind of create more or if you feel like you've been creating less, basically anything that's affected your creative drive with everything um, going on. To, to be honest, once again, I'm probably in more of a unique situation because I'm very like um, uh, I'm very introverted. Sure. Usually, like outside of you know podcast situations sure. or like anything that I consider work. Right. Um. So like, in all honesty, I've been perfectly fine. I've just been in my room all day, which is what I would have done anyway. <laughs> sure. Kind of like getting on with my work. The only thing that has changed actually is um um. Obviously, this is like the whole, I'm on here for the music mainly, but I also have been doing um, competitive fighting games for as long as I've been doing YouTube. And so those are kind of like the two sides of my life. Right. Um, and that's been shut down because of COVID. Right. Like there aren't any sort of like tournaments or things I can go to because of that. Sure. So that's been shut down, but that has allowed me to have more time for YouTube. Yeah. So to be honest, like I, I've, you know, I've had waves like, you know of like a day or two where i've been pretty down about it sure but i usually just kind of bounce back and be like okay there's work to do let's get on with it right right. um i understand that's not it's not that easy for a lot of people sure um especially with like you know other kind of commitments other people have but when your um your craft is very kind of like um uh what's the word i'm looking for like it's it's just me and my room yeah yeah on it like very isolated yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's it's it's been it's been not too bad for me actually. Sure. Um, not to you know demean the uh, problems that people have had, but for me personally, like right. yeah, doing this kind of work in this kind of current environment has been fine. So, yeah. it, do you think it's it's helped you create more, or do you think you're just pretty much the same as it's always been? Uh, well, it's helped me. It's helped me to create more. Aside from the fact that in October I decided to create less, right? Okay. Like I said, because I didn't want to, you know, chase the the algorithm sure. anymore. Um, it, it's made me more, um, uh, like I said, I, I've been wanting to work more. Sure. Whether I have or not is, you know, a different story. Right. But I've definitely been more motivated to work. Sure. I'll say that. Do Do you um, think there's and- any correlation between having more time to work towards the algorithm and then leading to October, you decided you don't want to chase it anymore. Do you think there could be correlation between uh, having more time to do that and whatnot, or is it just kind of happen sense? 
Um, just because I imagine if I if I had all the because I like I work and I have school and stuff, but if I had full time to work on this and just chase it, and then I use up my entire days just working towards it, I imagine I might kind of hit that point too, right? Where I have like a bit of a burnout essentially. Yeah, um, maybe I, I kind of didn't explain properly. I, I think I've been working either more or the same, but my output right. has been less. So right. like, okay. like I say, because I've been working on things to kind of improve it as much as I can. Sure. Um, um, I've still been doing, like today has just been like work, small break, work, small break, work, now I'm here. Right. Um, so I've been, I've been working all day and I'm super happy with it. But because of what I'm doing is more difficult and I haven't done it before. Sure. It's going to take longer. So like, um, I guess, yeah, I guess like I have worked more right. when things go back to normal. Uh, it's tough to say. It's really yeah, tough to it say. Really because I, How can anyone yeah, I would, predict I, really? I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I would spend, I would definitely spend less time on music, more time on my game stuff. Sure. Sure. Um, because there'd be a reason to do it. Now. There's a lot of catching uh, up to do basically. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So like I would probably work less and because I'm doing more, I would be more tired more often. So yeah, yeah, maybe I have worked more in the, um, in the pandemic, but I, I don't think, um, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm just as motivated as I would have been otherwise. Sure. Let me say that. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's definitely a good thing. It's definitely good that you've still had this creative drive. And obviously you're, you do still have quite an output, even if it's not as frequent as maybe it was before October. Um, but uh, as long as you continue working on it and it's, it's not like the quality is diminishing at all or whatnot. Uh, so that's mm. all good for you. I'm very happy for you. And I hope that creative drive continues to stay throughout 2021. And mm. with that, I believe we are just about out of time for this podcast. So I want to thank you very much for joining me today. Um, if there's something you would like to kind of plug or just announce or just let people know where they can find you, uh, feel free to do that now. Okay. Uh, I don't particularly have too much to plug. Just YouTube is um, youtube.com. I think it's slash C slash Bulby. That's kind of the way it's set up now. Because usually it's kind of like slash user slash and then just a jumble of letters or something. Right. Um, I think if you just search Bobby, you'll find me there. It's no problem. Fingers crossed. Um, yeah, yeah, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> um, and then other than that, um, uh, the only other place I'm active on is Twitter. That's um, at Bulba Mike, like Bulba Saw, but just Mike instead of Saw. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, and that's it. I mean, all of my links are on my YouTube channel. So if people are interested, just sure. find my channel and you'll see everything else there. Well, and, um, and you do stream every once in a while. Is that correct? Uh, I did um, when I was playing Smash still. Um, okay. Uh, I've kind of stopped playing that now just for various reasons. And so, you know, I haven't really had anything else to stream. Sure. I've been playing other games, but I don't think people would really be interested. But I might pick it up again soon. Gotcha. Once again, that link is on my YouTube channel as well. Sure. So, yeah. Well, I'll yeah. also include it to the description as well as links to your Twitter sure thing, and YouTube, yeah. of course. Bulby, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, thank you all out there for watching. If you're watching this on Patreon, thank you so much for your support. And as a reminder, you can check out any of these clips in a more condensed form over on my YouTube channel. And then, uh, of course, uh, maybe subscribe if you want to check out more videos. And, of course, subscribe to Bulby. Uh, and thank you guys again so much for watching. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. So, so long.